Welcome to the Revitalize Podcast, a podcast where we have conversations to help you experience emotional, spiritual, and physical wellness as you lead at your church, your business, or in your life. Here are your hosts, Danielle and Kevin. So welcome back to the Revitalize Podcast. We are your hosts, Danielle and Kevin Presso. It's so great to be back here with you. It is great to be back here, and this time you're on the hot seat. This time I am on the hot seat. So this is, we're in a six-part series talking about the journey of wellness. Uh, we set up the intro to this topic in the very first episode, and uh, then we've had a couple of back and forth on this, and now it's my turn to be back in the hot seat here. And we're going to be talking about my spiritual wellness journey. And before we dive into today's topic, I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who's commented on social media, who has liked, and the few people who've already started to subscribe to the podcast as well. That's really, really exciting for us when Mm -hmm. we see that little following number go up. (laughs) So uh, we really appreciate each and every one of you being a part of this journey with us. That's for sure. And so for today, like we've been doing, these different parts of our wellness, um, I haven't shared my journey yet, overall, my spiritual wellness journey, and certainly it's a, it's a story to tell, but that's coming up in a, in a few uh, episodes. Right. Um, but I think it would be safe to say that our spiritual highs and lows have been hit and miss over the years, and very rarely do, they, do the highs necessarily hit at the same time. <laughs> That's a great point. We're, we're usually in lows at different times and in valleys and you know, pits of mire and clay, as the Psalm 40 calls it. Right. Um, yeah, we usually kind of hit those things, thankfully, at different times. It would be nice to hit the highs at the same time. It's true. It's true. But it's kind of good that we don't hit the lows at the same time, because we're both in the low at the same time. That could... That could be more difficult. It yeah. could be a lot more difficult to get out of it. Right? Well, especially we are called, aren't we, to um, be helping each other to bear each other's burdens and walk with one another and bring each other before Christ together. And so right. if we were both right. really in a low, that might be um, a bigger difficulty, a bigger challenge. Exactly. The other thing that um, I think might be a surprise to many, because typically we think, and maybe maybe people don't think this anymore, but typically we think the pastor is the most spiritual person in the building. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that rumor. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's uh, yeah. I've heard that rumor in a few places, and and it can be an assumption, right, that people have that the pastor is praying all the time. The pastor is always on this emotional high or spiritual, high. spiritual sorry, yeah. I should say, yeah. and and balanced and everything, and everything's going super well because they're in right. that role, and the, and he he's overseeing the rest of us and teaching us to be that way. Yeah. What do you have to say about that expectation? Well, I, I think church history doesn't do. Christian leaders any favors uh, when it comes to that idea um, because regardless of the branch of Christianity that we may have come from um, so if you would be kind of a more of a, from a Protestant kind of branch of Christianity um, there's a strong strong influence of the first 1500 years kind of coming out of the whole you know, the Roman Catholic background mm-hmm. where you had the priest and yeah. you had the Pope, like you had holy men mm-hmm. charged 
with the task of bringing people before the throne of God. Right. Like you, the, the priest was your mediator. Uh-oh. I know, right? I know. That, but that's what we did in church tradition. Right. And so we, we kind of created this environment where you, you went to the priest for confession. You went to the priest to receive, receive absolution from your sin and all of this. And even though the Reformation helped us to break away from that, to get back to Scripture, functionally, I think within the church, we still view that paid pastor as the holy man. Right. And he's the one, and we pay you, <laughs> Christian leader, Christian pastor, to have it all together hmm. and, and to feed us spiritually. And so I think that's probably, I would, I would guess out of these three areas of, well, of physical wellness, emotional, mental wellness, and spiritual wellness, I would actually be very, very comfortable with saying that this is the one that most Christian leaders would always would feel like they could never admit to anybody. Interesting. So the assumption is that they're doing well. The assumption is that they are they do have it all together yeah. and that that maybe is their job, they feel their job is on the line if they, you know, share that they're struggling with spirituality, is that what you mean? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're kind of not feeling close to God, you're not feeling like you're hearing from God. Like, like I mean, you remember this, Danielle, the, ver- the very first ministry experience I had, it was actually written into my job description that I am responsible for my own personal walk with Jesus. So there was no, like, mentorship for you in it wasn't as like, a part of that? It wasn't like, hey, you're, you're on staff here at this church, so you're a, you're a part of the body of Christ, and we're going to all build one another up together. Mm-hmm. It's a cl- it was a clause in the contract mm-hmm. that if... If your walk with Jesus isn't like absolutely perfect, you're gone. Well, like that was the that was what was implied that was may, with it. Maybe the fear that could could but be. But I think it's what was implied, right? Because so, we eh? don't want to. I mean, we didn't hire you here for us to help you spiritually. We hired you to help us spiritually. Wow. And I do. I think in a lot of evangelical churches, because I've had mentored a number of pastors and leaders over the years who have been struggling in this topic of spiritual wellness, mm-hmm. and they've had nowhere to go mm-hmm. within their own church. Yeah. well, Which is heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking, and it's certainly something that you bring a lot of um, kind of wisdom to because of you being a pastor, lead pastor, and right. then also mentoring other pastors. But why don't we take it back a little bit and sure. go into, like, at what point... Did you recognize that your spiritual life, your spiritual walk was important? And it may even be, you know, before you met Christ. I don't know. But when did this idea of spiritual wellness become a thing for you? <laughs> That's a great question. I, I think, honestly, I think the quest for spiritual wellness came when I made the switch from working in the business world in the computer industry and made the switch to go into full-time Christian pastoral ministry as a career. Because it it's very easy as a Christian leader to coast on your personality and on your skill set. Hmm. 
it's very easy. Like, like I, don't, I don't think people grasp this a lot of the times. Like, so let's say, for example, let's say sermon prep. Mm-hmm. So when I prepare a sermon, now I've been preaching most Sundays. So out of the 52 weeks of the year, I'll do maybe 45 to about 45 sermons a year at mm-hmm. least. You know, prepping a 35 to 45, sometimes 55-minute talk. I know, I, I, I preach long at my church. <laughs> um, and you actually get really, really good at the skill of preparing that. Mm-hmm. Because we've got all the resources. Like, I've got on my laptop, I've got my Logos Bible software, which is an amazing tool. Uh, they're not one of our sponsors. <laughs> and you can find it at. Exactly. It's a great tool where I've got over a thousand books, all indexed. I can mm-hmm. find anything about any topic that I want to prep on. And I can, with these tools and with these resources that I have and with the experience that I've built, I can put a sermon together without praying. See, now you you do that, you know, like we, yeah. know, we know deep down that's not good. It's not good. But when you're busy, when you have a whole bunch of other responsibilities and all these other meeting, meetings happening and visiting people in the hospital and doing all the other responsibilities that can come your way in the role, um, you just got to get certain parts of your job done, mm-hmm. right? And so our skill set, I heard, I can't remember who had said this. Um, it might have, yeah, I don't, I wish I could remember who said this. Um, it might have been Craig Rochelle, where he said, your skill set and your competency will actually take you further than your character can sustain. Mm-hmm, I've heard that before. Yeah, I wish I could remember exactly who said that. But, and that spoke to me, especially going into ministry, mm-hmm. that. Yes, I want to prepare a good sermon, and yes, I want to you know use the tools and the resources that I have to do it the best of my ability. But ultimately, it's got to come from my own personal time in the Word of God. Right. It's got to come from my own hearing from God, my own listening to God, and my own being corrected and rebuked and discipled. You've heard that here. By my loving Father. You, oh, just your loving yeah, Father, my loving not your father. wife? Yeah, not your wife. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm just like, witnesses. Witnesses here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're allowed to correct and rebuke me as well from time to time. Gently. 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 Yeah, gently. But, okay, so that's really interesting because you're, you're talking about going into ministry, into full-time uh, vocational ministry, mm-hmm. and that's the first time that you kind of looked at your own spiritual wellness. What about well, for those, what about, for, like, I'm thinking from a guy perspective. Sure. Um, what about those guys who are, you know, just married, young family? Were you in that, like, were you looking for spiritual wellness then, or was it all kind of career and, and different things? Well, and that's a great question, because for me, I, I was pursuing that, mm-hmm. you know, because even when we had young families, like, because we both came to put our faith in Jesus as adults. Mm-hmm. You know, so I put my, my faith in Jesus in my, my late 20s. You would put your faith in Jesus a couple of years after we were married, you know, because Cameron was born. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. it was a little while Maybe after. Maybe four Cam- years after we got married. Yeah, right. So that was later on as well. So you're probably in your late 20s, early 30s mm-hmm. by that point um, when all this came down. And when we started attending church, like I loved everything about church. You were on fire. I was on fire, right? And so I was at all the meetings, at all the life groups, if they had a special conference on a Saturday. And because we were so new to this, 
we, I, at least I was very aware of the importance of this because I was trying to figure out what it meant to be a godly husband. Right. I was trying to figure out what it meant to be a godly father. Mm -hmm. I was trying to figure out what it meant to have a gospel impact in my career. Mm -hmm. Like, and I, and I was really taking that seriously because, um, it, it just resonated with me that that was the kind of man that God was calling us to. Because again, I came to faith by reading a Bible. Mm-hmm. Like someone didn't lead me to Jesus, tell me about Jesus. I was reading the Bible on my own. Mm-hmm. And so when you just study the Bible on your own and you've got no church tradition and no kind of mentors to look to, and you just look to the word of God, you go, wow, we're actually called to this life. That should be having a huge impact. Yeah. So now here I am, God, I've given my life to you. Now, how do I become like what I read about in scripture? So you very much had a leadership call in a sense of I've got to learn how to lead well in my family and in my community and in my business and all that sort of thing in a godly way. Right. But you didn't yet have the sense of I need spiritual wellness. Well, I would never have have used that language that I need spiritual wellness, Mm -hmm. but that was the journey I was on. Mm -hmm. You know, like I was going through this journey of... You know, learning learning what my spiritual gifts were. Mm-hmm. I was on a journey of how do I interpret and understand the Bible when you read it? Mm-hmm. How do I pray in such a way that I'm not just giving God my laundry list of everything <laughs> I want, but actually trying to hear his voice and discern what he wants in my life? And so you've so, found mentors to help you with that? Exactly. So it was just a lot of the guys that I came alongside with in the men's ministry that I was a part of at our, ch- our first church when we became Christians. Um, the pastor would meet with me from time to time. One of the chair of the elders would meet with me from time to time because they were a great church really investing, I feel, in people and, and helping them understand their spiritual gifts and their calling. And um, so we just rolled with it. Like, I mean, when we had little kids, like we had such a priority on our spiritual growth and connecting with this church we would work out our midweek Bible study time where you would have a group of ladies come to the house because we had you know, little babies at the time. So mm-hmm. we'd work it out so women, ladies would come to the house and do Bible study with you. Yeah, I'd clean up during the day, get the snack ready, put the kids to bed, and yeah. then start the Bible That's study. That's right. And then mm-hmm. I would do it at the church. Mm-hmm. So that way only one person was ever out at the same time. And then sometimes I would watch the kids and then you would go do something mm-hmm. at the church. You know, like the different ladies groups, things like that. And... uh so yeah, so there was all these different ways right from the beginning where it was fun, it was exciting, and we were growing by leaps and bounds. And um, So there wasn't really a need to look for spiritual wellness because that was exactly what was pouring into you. Exactly. As, you were, as we were new believers, right. as we were um, jumping into all of the you know, different you know, programs and experiences and groups and all that sort of thing that we're building into us and right. reading our Bibles and praying, yeah. we were actually being filled spiritually right where we were at at those that things time. Were, those things were happening. Yeah. Like, like, for example, and I think this is probably the best way to explain that, what was happening back then. So currently right now, it, in my role as a pastor and in, in our ministry, I actually unapologetically say there, there's three things I want people in my church to do. Because I believe these three things will really help you grow close to God and grow in your relationship. It's make worship a regular part of your week, like corporate worship, to just come into the presence of God and worship in spirit and in truth. To know what your spiritual gift is and that you serve not out of guilt or obligation or tradition, but out of how God has gifted you so that you can be a blessing to the body of Christ. 
And the third is to be in a meaningful relationship with other Christians to spur one another on. Mm -hmm. And we did that out of the gate. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was the beginning of our Christian life. <laughs> that, was our, that was our Christian life. Mm -hmm. that was, those three things were our priority. So if work called me on a Sunday and said, we need you to come in, like I would tell them, I'll be there after church. Mm -hmm. Like I'll see you after, like I'll be there by noon. Because corporate worship, coming into the presence of God with the, with the, with the people of God is a priority for me. Right. And I remember telling that to my boss. And, and he, he was kind of shocked. And he was shocked. <laughs> and then the beauty of the country that we live here in Canada, he's not allowed to say you can't. Because <laughs> we have that freedom. Here, right. Right? He's not allowed to tell me I'm not allowed to go to church and I have to come to work. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, we made those meaningful relationships. When we, again, with young kids, we had that young adult, that young married group that we were a part of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, which was so foundational. Well, because you know? we didn't know what it looked like well, to I mean, be we had a no Christian clue. family. We, we had didn't know. I mean, we have we have Christian background families, but right. like we don't we don't we didn't have families Active that participation in, in church every week and in and church body life. you know seeing themselves as I want to follow Jesus every day. Mm -hmm. It was it was probably more of the you know at certain times in our lives growing up. Yes, we had the Sunday or yeah. the Easter or the Christmas it kind was, of church tradition. Yeah. So we don't not to knock anything. We're grateful no, for that absolutely. that foundation, but but it was more we didn't of a, know what it was to be Christian. Yeah. Building in that Christian faith into our families. It was a, it was a cultural Christianity. Maybe yeah yeah. It was, mm -hmm. you know, it's what we did. It was tradition. My grandparents went to church. My parents went to church. Mm -hmm. so you went to church. It, yeah. it didn't speak to your life and the relevancy mm -hmm. of of being living a transformed life. Yeah, so but we it, but it to did, learn that. So we had to learn that, mm -hmm. and and so so we joined. You know, midweek groups. We made Sunday morning a priority for us as a family. Like, we had little babies, you know, going mm -hmm. to church and, and, you know, and making that a priority of worshiping. And we also served, even with little babies. Mm -hmm. You know, we took turns. Like, I used to volunteer in the nursery. Because mm -hmm. the church that we went to basically had a rule that if your kid goes to the nursery, you're on the roster to volunteer. I don't know why we don't all do this. <laughs> well, we think like, oh, let's serve the families, yes. which is lovely. It's beautiful. But yeah. is it not let's help you together? I, exactly. I, I think there's some wisdom to yeah. that, too. So, so we used to volunteer right away, right mm -hmm. out of the gate. We would find we found ways, and then we realized God has given us different spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. We learned about that. But then you got out of the nursery real quick. Then I got out of the nursery. Cause and then I followed you pretty quickly after that. Yeah, because that was not our <laughs> spiritual gift, and that's okay, right? But you need to learn those things yeah. over time. Mm -hmm. So right right out of the gate. So, so that's why I never had this, I need to be pursuing this, mm -hmm. because that was just the foundation that was laid. It was your life. It was my life. Mm hmm that was when I gave my life to Jesus, that just became my life mm -hmm. of that because it's what I saw in the Bible. So then to sort of skip forward, and it's a little bit sad to say yes. because that's kind of where you were at, the big time where you recognized a huge need to kind of be filled spiritually, to, um, you know, focus on and work on your spiritual wellness was when you became a pastor. Right. And I think that would probably be a bit of a, huh, for, <laughs> for a lot of people to go, wait a second, you go into this calling and it's beautiful and it's awesome and it's serving the Lord. Yes. And that's the time when you find yourself, you know, thirsty and needing to be filled spiritually. Exactly. Yeah, because what I don't... But I think a lot of people don't 
realize, especially if you just kind of go to church mm-hmm. right, and you're not actively involved in the leadership of your church, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of work. <laughs> that goes on in the church. You don't just work on Sundays. <laughs> I, I know. You know how many times I've heard that in the first several years? Joke, eh? Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's hilarious. We only work one day a week. Yeah. You know, but you work a lot of hours. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to go on. There's a lot happening, a lot of programs, a lot of different things happening. There's a lot of people's needs and hurts and sins and all of these things. Including our own. Including our own. And... Um, Suddenly, your spirituality becomes monetized. Ouch. It beca- exactly. Ouch. Right? But your spiritual, like, if suddenly now you're in this for like 40, 50, 60, and no exaggeration, sometimes 70 hours a week, mm-hmm. running around like crazy, doing, offering spiritual wares for people <laughs> to consume. Right? Mm-hmm. I know, you're making big googly eyes at yeah. me as I say this, but <laughs> this is what can happen. Yeah. And and you, pastor, you Christian leader who, or who are listening to this, you can relate to this because we all see this happen. Right. Right? And, you know, and and then suddenly, and then, <laughs> and then here's the funny thing. Because this never happened to me in my 15 computer, my 15 years in my computer career. What's that? I never had hundreds of people complaining about my work good job you must have done really well (laughs) no because i had one boss right see when i was a computer consultant i reported to one boss and if i messed up that one boss would let me know Mm -hmm. sadly what i learned early on in my ministry experience was and we were going to a pretty large church i have about 800 people who were criticizing me who all feel it's totally okay to send me an email when they don't like what i've done like, where else does that happen? Well, <laughs> I don't really think it is very many other places, but why don't we kind of put it out there? Like, is it, mind you, that could be a talk for another time, but, right. you know, it's it's the, the the correction of the body. Is that not helpful for you? Um, is that not? Well, here's the thing. There's So, so you, let's say, for example, here's, here's the type of email, you, you know, I'd receive on a Monday morning. So we'd, we'd, we'd do communion. We'd have a communion service. And we decided to make it very quiet and reflective. Nice. Exactly. And I know you love that. And then you get emails complaining that it was too quiet and the kids were restless and they don't understand why we did that. So the next week, you put music in the background. You make it a little bit more vibrant. You celebrate communion like it's a celebration. We're not it's, we're not at a funeral. We're celebrating the risen Jesus. Nice. Yeah. And then you get the complaints from the people that it wasn't somber enough and it wasn't <laughs> you know reflective enough. So right. every Monday, yeah, you have someone who didn't like what you did mm-hmm. on the Sunday, and what that will do over time is it'll get you more concerned with what the people in the pew think than what God thinks. Right. And And what does that do to you spiritually? Well, exactly. What does it do to you uh, spiritually? It makes you afraid of man. Mm -hmm. And the scriptures teach us that the fear of man is a a snare. snare. And and whenever I mentor people on this topic, um, when you think of a snare, a snare is a type of trap where you only have a couple of options if you get caught in a snare. Because think of it, it's like a wire that kind of ties around one of your limbs. So if you have an animal caught in this snare, the animal trapped in a snare has a couple of options. One, chew their leg off. 
to get out of it. Mm. You can chew your, because you're not cutting through the wire. Mm-hmm. You can cut through your flesh, but you can't cut through that wire. Oh, that's so gross. I know, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Or two, bleed to death. Okay. If you're another bleed, you really know, great Another option. really happy thing. Or And three, sit there passively until something comes and kills you. That's a snare. So this is what snares do. Not a lot do. of good options There's in not a snare. A, once you're, and the fear of the opinion of the people in your church becomes a snare. Mm. That you're just going to slowly bleed out. Mm-hmm. You're going to just chew your leg off mm-hmm. <laughs> and get out of there. So you're not leaving without a you know permanent disability. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or you're just going to you know sit there until they just beat you to death. Mm-hmm. And that's what fear does. Yeah. Right. And sadly, that's where I started to go. Okay. Because you'd preach a sermon, and right away, be like, oh. Wow. You know, this other pastor that I heard, you know, online, he preached that text so much better than you did. Again, where do you see that spiritual gift in the in the Bible? There's no spiritual gift of criticism. Mm-hmm. And there's no spiritual gift of comparison. Although some will say exhortation. That's not it. That's not <laughs> exhortation at all. But, right? but to be truthful, but, um, yeah, like that's that's hard. And so, and you're in a position at that time where it's not go to your church board or your church you know lead pastor and get help because you've got it in your your description to take care of yourself spiritually right yeah so that would have been maybe a low point sure exactly so it's in that moment where then suddenly you're so busy you're working all of these hours it's kind of this ministry environment where you're afraid of the opinion of certain people because it's not every person some other people could do the same complaint and it gets no weight, but certain people complain a certain way. And, and you just realize that there's this messiness mm-hmm. to it. And in that messiness, you kind of go, where's God? So that's what I was feeling. Yeah. And, and, and this isn't a knock against this church. It was an amazing church, a very godly church, a lot of amazing things going on there. But in me, in that environment, I couldn't figure out how to actually spend that time to meet with God. And in a, in a way that was meaningful and having an impact in the production of what I was doing in ministry. So that's when spiritual wellness became so crucial to me. Mm-hmm. And that really stood out. And you probably remember this, Danielle, is we were actually driving from where we were living. We were going on vacation to visit some of your family members. Yeah. And we had stumbled on a book uh, that, and I had never heard of the author before, but it was Craig Rochelle. Yeah, big kind of, name now, but then we didn't know who I, that I guy was. I never heard of this guy mm-hmm. back then. Um, but And he had written a book called Confessions of a Pastor. And I think that book, they've actually changed the title of it now for some reason, but that's what it was called, and that was probably one of the most profound things I've ever read. In fact, I didn't even read it. You read it to me I while did. we were driving. And I wept yeah. the whole time to actually be allowed to say... I'm struggling in my prayer life mm-hmm. to actually be allowed to say these Christians and how the, the critical emails, and it's not a lot, but the three people in a church of 800 are killing me spiritually mm-hmm. and be able to put language to that, to put words to that. I'm not hearing from God. God's feeling distant, all of those kind of things. And when he wrote that in his book, for me, that was the beginning. It gave you permission to be real about what was going on exactly. emotionally and spiritually and things that you would be 
right. actually quite afraid to tell your lead pastor or your board or your church. Right, and here you have this mega church pastor saying it's okay mm-hmm. <laughs> that we need to, as the body of Christ, to create environments where our Christian leaders are being built up spiritually. So the following week yeah. you went and you went up to the pulpit and you shared everything about how much everybody had been driving you crazy. No, and, not at all. How did you manage it? What did um, you do when when you had that permission from the, this unknown guy at the time, right. Craig Rochelle, yep. permission to actually feel the feelings that you were having and be real about where you were at spiritually? Did you share that with other people? Did I you, did. Yeah, mm-hmm. I shared that. I had a small group of guys that I was getting together with at the time. I had an elder from our church that they used to get together for with coffee uh, pretty regularly and just kind of talk about some things and and I just kind of brought up like there's this is what's been going on mm-hmm. and and because I was still performing I was still doing a good job mm-hmm. which I'm doing in air quotes I'm, I'm doing a good job everyone's happy with what I'm producing it looks you just make the assumption that everyone that you're doing okay spiritually mm-hmm. when the output is good right but that's our own skill set a lot of times can still do that mm-hmm and that doesn't bear fruit that will last. Right. So it was amazing having those conversations. And then that's where my spiritual wellness actually became the priority. Great. Ministry. And so how did that change? What changed from that point on? That's a great question because it has definitely ebbed and flowed mm-hmm. <laughs> over the years. Yeah. Um, but definitely making um, even little things. Um Reading the Bible just to meet with my Heavenly Father and not always be prepping a sermon um, was a big thing. Because for you, like you've shared before, that the idea of spirituality in general, so anything that you're doing, like reading your scripture, praying, all these things that you do, sort of started to blur, right? It, right. it started to feel like work instead of your own spiritual walk. Exactly. You want to talk a bit about that? Right. Well, exactly. Because when you spend 40 hours, 50 hours a week, or even if, let's say you're a church volunteer and you're spending five hours, 10 hours, 20 hours a week, you know, as a Christian leader, you can tend to start to put your work in compartments. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I've already done 40 hours a week. I've had to prep a sermon. I've had to visit people in the hospital. I've had to pray with people. I've had to prep for an elders meeting. I've had to prep to lead a small group. I've had to prep all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Then suddenly when you go on vacation, (laughs) and I've done this. I'm guilty of this. It's like, well, I'm on vacation now. I don't want to go to church, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to read my Bible because I'm on vacation. Because suddenly church and your Bible have become tools of your job and your profession more than the expressions of your faith and the building up of your own personal faith. And I actually remember when we had those those kind of thoughts where it's like, I just need a break from it all. We, because both of us, yeah. right, we're just feeling the heaviness and the right. lots of people's needs and, and, and all of that and spiritual giving out, you know, yeah. and it felt heavy. And so when we went on vacation, it almost felt like, not almost, we actually said, oh, let's just like have a real vacation, put it all aside. And then God met us there, didn't he? He did. Like, yeah, a couple of times when we were on vacation, right? What did God do? Well, exactly. I mean, there's a, I think I know what you're talking about yeah. here, but like, there was actually one time where I was just fried, and like I want nothing to do with nothing. I just want seven days off, and we just went to this little church, and I picked the church because I said, I think that church plays the type of music I like. 
Because <laughs> that's what I was looking for. I was looking for my style of worship, mm-hmm. not the church's style of worship. I wanted my style. Because that's just where I was at. And we walked in there, and, you know, it was mid-sized kind of country church. And uh, I don't even know why I did it, but at one point they had this meet and greet in the middle of the service, and the pastor's wife came right over to us. And we probably were like, oh, no, we don't want to be seen. We don't want meet. I hate meet and greet on Sunday morning. It's like the introvert in me. It's like, oh, no, let people safely come in. And anyways, so the pastor's wife comes straight up to us, asks us if we're new here, all the typical questions. We tell them that we're in ministry from another city. We're just on vacation in this town. And she just, like, her shoulders and just everything about her, and she starts sharing how incredibly lonely her and her husband are mm-hmm. like right there we've never met these people and I'm like they're feeling exactly like how we feel yeah and that was a huge eye-opening thing for me mm-hmm. it's like how come our pastors our pastors wives don't have a safe place to fall mm-hmm. when they're struggling and so we took them out for dinner yeah you did. Yeah. <laughs> and because it was like, we just want to bless you with a dinner and get to know you and hear about your ministry. Because you God know, God showed like, up and God was like, you think you're going to be, yeah. you think you're off ministry. You think you're, you're off always on. God time. You think you're off like prayer or Bible reading. Yeah. No, my body still exists <laughs> and, yeah. and you're going to connect with the people that I'm going to connect you with. And it was actually quite a blessing. It was a huge blessing to mm-hmm. go and meet that couple and take them out and get to hear about their, their journey and their ministry and uh and yeah and that was a relationship that I kept with him for for a couple of years after mm-hmm. that which was such a blessing but again but what God did in that moment was he showed me just that reminder of, of the importance of spiritual health in Christian leaders yeah. more than just your product and your output mm-hmm. it's easy 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 to do a good sermon it's easy to you know, be an elder and lead well. It's easy to be a deacon and balance the budget with nothing but your skill set. Right. But that's not what we do as the church. Mm-hmm. That's not our call. Our call is to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to work out of the pump, the prompting and the power of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and that we are bearing spiritual fruit that will last. Yeah. 10, 30, 50, 100 times more than what was sown. I don't have the capacity to do that. Right. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. So I got to make sure I'm hearing from Him. So that's what I. That's what God was showing early on in those early days of ministry there. Right. So you've shared some times, a time in particular when you were really feeling um, like you needed to put a priority on your on your spiritual health. Right. Have there been times, and can you share a couple of times maybe, when um, you've actually been really feeling like you're in a really great spot spiritually, and what was surrounding that? Mm-hmm. I think I, I probably have a lot more nowadays of uh, those, that experience of that is going really well. I think the big part is, is I had to learn who I was in Christ. Mm-hmm. Like one of the exercises, so a mentor of mine actually had taught me this years ago, and I did it years ago, and I kind of forgot about it. But I went through the book of Romans again, and just circled and highlighted everywhere where it says, in his sight, or in God's sight, or in God's eyes. Anyway, you know, basically talking about how God sees me, right? how God sees the church. 
that's a great way to study the book of Romans. Because we get so deep into it about the theology of it and forget who we are in Christ. <laughs> like That's one of the best parts of that book for me, is about my identity. Because our spiritual enemy wants to kill our identity. Of course. He wants to steal our identity. He can't steal our salvation, but he can steal our identity when we think my identity is being a Christian leader, being a Christian businessman, being a pastor, being a godly woman, like all of these things. When mm -hmm. we put the identity on something else other than a daughter or a son of the Most High God... We lose our identity. Right. Right? And so that was the, probably the first thing that I did is just really grasp into my identity. And what does that, that do for you? It's so freeing. It's so freeing because once you learn your identity in Christ, the second part of that was then, now who am I? How has God made me? So there's identity in Christ, but then there's specific Kevin in Christ. Exactly. Purpose. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so the spiritual gifts that God has given me are for me to be a blessing to the church. And so if someone isn't happy with my leadership, it's not usually because you've done a bad job. It's because you've done something that they feel you should that you should be doing but you're not doing. Okay. Right? Because, again, we get a lot of church tradition that kicks in there. Pastors are supposed to. Pastors are supposed to do this. Pastors are supposed to do that. But every pastor, every church leader has a certain spiritual gift. Yeah, right. And the, and the last thing you want your, your pastor to be doing is working <laughs> outside of his spiritual gifts. Yeah, bad idea. It's the last thing you want. Mm -hmm. But, boy, we do it a lot. <laughs> right? We, we put these expectations on. And so this what, is what a pastor does. Rather pastor than, does. this is what you, Kevin, as a pastor in this church, child of God, these, this is the way that you have, yeah. the spiritual gifts that you have and the way God created you. Right. This is what I bring to the role mm -hmm. in this community, yeah. in this church family. And learning that and then being comfortable in my own skin with that mm -hmm. then allowed, again, so much freedom to, to have meaningful conversations with people about spiritual gifts, about the power of you know, God working in our lives, and say, look, the reason why I don't, I don't do that is because God has not called me to that, God has not gifted me to that. It's actually not an expectation from our board of, direct, our board of elders here for me to be doing that work. We have another team that does that. Mm -hmm. Can I send them to you? So someone from that team can help you. So it actually makes it easier to live out your call, your purpose, well, because it, you, you're, you have teams set up for these other things that people are looking for as well. It gets rid of the guilt. Because mm -hmm. I think, again, so many of us as Christians, we carry around this level of guilt and expectation on ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> that actually squash us spiritually well, and, when we do that. And you're describing it, and it sounds... Simple. It's just get to know what your identity is, get to know what your giftings are. Right. But I think for many of us, myself included, um, there could be actually, you know, a spiritual battle there. Of course. And and for you, you talked about, you know, the fear of the fear of man being a snare. Yeah. And certain people you wanted to, you know, imp not impress, but maybe impress. I don't know. But wanting yeah. to make sure that you're doing things that they wanted. So how did you get from that? Fear of man, that snare, right. to I'm free, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I'm free to do what I what I what God has you know called me to do the the specific purpose that He has for me in in my church. How did right. you get there? 
one of the things that I had to go through, so one of my snares was um, a desire to be respected by Christian leaders I admire. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of like um, one of the things that had come up in your crest leadership right as an example exactly do you care to share that uh i can go there mm-hmm. yeah so when i did the, the two-year uh, crest leadership um it's a leadership christian leadership program for leaders at midlife and that was kind of one of the key things that had kind of come out of there so when i when i took crest there <laughs> it, there were kind of in the there was like about maybe eight or nine or ten of us students taking this thing and in the back of the classroom was what i called kind of the back row leaders like they were they were they were the cool leaders, you know. Like they were. <laughs> they would have been at the back of the bus yeah, in like in high school. High school yeah, and, but yeah. they were but they were the ones pastoring the big churches. They were the big businessmen. They were mm-hmm. the big kind of like like larger than life personalities and and and. So you were at the back, I guess. No, I was kind of sitting in the front by myself. <laughs> you were not. No, here's what's really funny because when I came back for the second year and one of the leaders came and the leader was like, "Wow, I don't think we've met." <laughs> And I've been in this program for a full year. And there's eight of you? Yes. And one of the leaders is like, were you here for year one? Yeah. That's that doesn't sound like you. Because that's just where I was when I was taking that program. Okay. I was just trying to figure out some things, and I stayed really, really quiet that first year. Mm-hmm. I was just letting God work because I knew He needed to. I, I knew I needed Him to work in my life. So you and you actually quieted yourself. Yes. For that year. Just to hear, because I wanted to hear from God. Wow. Because I was told by other people who had taken that program about how much they heard from God. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to keep my big mouth shut <laughs> for a year. Now, it was like four sessions. Yeah, you know, so it wasn't weeks. a whole year of like silence and no, solitude. No, it was like, no. like four day sessions four times a year, yeah. I think it mm-hmm. was. Something okay. like that. It wasn't a big thing. So then the back, the back row leaders, what did, what, what did they represent for you? They represented the type of leaders that I want to be respected by. Okay. Like, it's like, it's, they notice you. They notice how good your ministry is. They notice how good your book is, your sermon is, your leadership is. Then you're part of the club. So right? it sounds a little bit like the thumbs up on Facebook is what you're looking for. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Kind of that same endorphin yeah. <laughs> hit that mm-hmm. you get, right? When mm-hmm. someone likes what you're doing mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And it came again a little bit out of because our background and our experience and how we came to the Lord is a little different than the traditional pastor family, Very and church, you know, yeah. things like that. Um, I've struggled in finding my place. Mm-hmm. You know, people go, you know, where it's, oh, when you, when I meet a group of pastors, question number one is, you know, how big is your church? Question number two was, where did you get your uh, PhD? Where did you get, where did you get your master's degree? And I'm like, oh, I don't have a master's degree. I have an equivalency and what's diploma. A PhD? And I no. don't have a PhD. <laughs> and I'm never going to pursue a PhD. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, so there was kind of just all this different language that made me feel like I was an outsider. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, so there's this longing for acceptance. And then when you have your eyes open, you go, no, you are fully accepted. Mm-hmm. You're accepted by Jesus, who loves you so much that he would die for you. Yeah. You're accepted by God the Father, that you are seated with him on his throne in the heavenly places, that you are empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, that you are a temple of the living God, bringing God's glory and his presence everywhere that you go. And you have spiritual gifts in you to build up the body of Christ. 
So are, some, so, are those some of the things you were hearing in the silence that exactly. year? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that is how you do ministry. You do ministry out of that. And then you do leadership out of that. And then talking about spiritual battle. Yeah. Do those old thoughts come back? Um, they do. And how do you handle them spiritually? Yeah. So I think for me, the way I handle them spiritually is I've had, I also had to learn how do I hear from God? Mm-hmm. Like, cause again, all of us are a little different Yeah, and of some, some people will draw close to God through different things. And so I had to learn what are mine, mm-hmm. what are my big ways to draw close to God? Um, the biggest way that I personally draw close to God is through worship, right? Music mm-hmm. specifically. I know worship can be many things, but yep. music, mm-hmm. um, so you can, if you ever come visit me, you know, at my house or in my office, you will know that I might be feeling a little spiritually dry when the house is just bombarded with music, like, all day long. Mm-hmm. That's so all funny. I, I have a friend who said, who told me years ago, because every time she has so many different pairs of glasses, and when she has the bright ones on, yeah, um, and I'm like, wow, you look so good, so happy, you know, with these bright glasses on. And she's like, I have a little secret to tell you. When I have the bright pairs of glasses on, it's because I'm actually not doing so well on the inside. Interesting. So yeah. same kind of thing same that you're saying. Thing. If, the, if yeah. the music, if the worship music is blaring, it doesn't mean, oh, look at Pastor Kevin, how awesome he's doing. Nope. And, and it's probably, it's a, it's a really rough day spiritually. Yeah, I just need to be in God's presence through mm-hmm. worship. And, and what music allows me to do is um, basically get into the word without having to get into the word. <laughs> because when I'm down, mm-hmm. when I'm feeling spiritually low, mm-hmm. the last thing I feel like doing is grabbing my Bible and doing an expository study from Revelation chapter five. Mm-hmm. You know, because I just I'm not in that headspace. Yeah. But I want to hear about the glory, the glory of God's heaven, mm-hmm. heavens. You know. So if you put on a song that's talking about you know like holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You know. You know the the God who was and is and is to come. You, you like those are ministers to you. It ministers to me, and they're they're biblical words. Mm-hmm. Like that's how the angelic hosts cry out to God in the Book of Revelation. Like yeah. when you listen to music that has those words, or even a song that's not even a Christian song, I can listen to U 2s Psalm four, uh, forty. It is a Christian song. Well, it is because it's <laughs> quoting Psalm forty, right? I waited patiently for the Lord. You know, he turned and he heard my cry. Lift me up out of the pit, out of the mire and clay. Mm-hmm. And he put my feet upon a rock, and many will see and hear, and I will sing, sing a new song. Like yeah. you just play that song again and again and again. Remember who you are in Christ mm-hmm. and what God has done for you. So, so knowing how I connect with God is huge. So, music is one of them. And sometimes disconnecting. Uh, Silence and Sabbath Mm -hmm. are another big one for me. Just to be able to spend an hour with the phone away, the TV off, and just sit quietly, maybe with a journal, maybe not. Um, Spend that 24 hours of Sabbath keeping to be refreshed, enjoy the blessings of God, enjoy my wife, enjoy my kids, enjoy my house, enjoy a nice meal, enjoy a nap, enjoy our garden, games, <laughs> night, games whatever. night, all those things. Like God has blessed us with so many things just to enjoy his blessings mm-hmm. for a little bit. Those spiritual disciplines draw me back, draw me deeper into that relationship with God that now you can go, okay, now I can. You know, mm-hmm. I, I am hearing God. I am feeling close to him again. So it's knowing when you're in it and knowing how God 
meets you when you're in that those lull periods. Mm-hmm. I think are crucial, and it's a hit and miss. You have to kind of experiment a little bit, right? When you, well, I, I think the first thing you actually have to learn how to do is actually how to recognize when you're not in a spiritual lull, because mm-hmm. that's not always apparent, right? You don't know. Because sometimes you don't know. Sometimes we're so busy as Christian leaders, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. Just kind of coasting. <laughs> you're just coasting. Like you're mm-hmm. punching up good sermons. You're, you're again, like I said, you're making the church finances balance. You're leading your small group. You're part of a kid's ministry. Mm-hmm. Like whatever. Or, or in your own personal business. Your business is going really good. Your marriage is going really good. Your relationship with your kids are really good. Everything's good. But, but your walk with, with God is stale. Yeah. And I think I think actually that's the case with um, more Christian leaders than um, we would realize. Right. That it's just kind of you're, you're kind of we're we're kind of coasting, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, I know we've talked about that, and we've talked about it before, and even in this podcast, the F word, right? Fine. Yes. Um, you got to a point where that level of spiritual wellness, that level of spiritual health, wasn't enough. For you, fine no. wasn't enough. So, Fine's not enough. what was it? Do you think that finally kicked the fine out yeah. of out of you and made you decide? No, I want I want more. Right. Um, it actually came from a Bible verse uh, where where the Apostle Paul says, "I want to know the power of Christ and the power of the resurrection." I'm, I'm misquoting it here. My apologies. But Christ it's, crucified. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I want to experience. I want to know. The power of Christ and Christ crucified. Mm-hmm. And, and when I read the book of Acts and you see Peter preaching a sermon and thousands of people coming to know the Lord, you see Paul willing to suffer and to go into prison and thousands of people coming to know the Lord, like that same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that empowered those, those apostles, is the exact same Holy Spirit that empowers every single believer in Jesus. Mm. And so I want more. <coughs> Excuse me. I want more of God yeah. in my life. I don't want, like I'm not satisfied with a ministry where one person every 10 years comes to accept the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's not enough. And and even what you're talking about, it, it's ministry, which I totally get, you know, like it's the fruit that you want to see. But what about in your own life? But it's the, well, that's it, but it's the, the closeness of God, right? It's the, it's the evidence of God. Mm-hmm. It's like when, when, when Paul again writes about the fruit of the Spirit, you know, like the joy, the peace, mm-hmm. you know, the patience, the long suffering, like all of those things that he describes mm-hmm. there. Again, that, that is the call. Yeah. Like, that's what my life should look like. Mm-hmm. Though there should be peace. Yeah. There should be, there should be joy. Mm-hmm. There should be, com- like all of these things, you know. And when you're just hustling and bustling in, in business and in your family and in life and all the responsibilities that you have, we actually miss out on this big call of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And so I want more joy, right? I don't want to be grumpy. I don't want to be in a bad mood. You know, I don't want to be depressed. I don't want to mm-hmm. <laughs> all these things. I want more peace. I don't want to be stressed out every time I turn on the news and every time I read a newspaper or every time an email comes in. I want more peace. Um, mm-hmm. I want more patience when people don't understand what we're doing or understand why we make the decisions that we make as leaders. How do you have more patience? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like that, you know, and that only comes from a deeper spiritual walk with God. Right. 
you can't fake that. No, no, you can't. You can't fake it. You can't, fake it. Mm-hmm. You can for a little bit, for and then the explosion bit. happens, for or the whatever. Like, exactly. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like when you're lo- when you're showing love out of your own love and not out of the overflow, it's a totally different kind of love. It's a different kind of love. Mm-hmm. It really is. And joy and all these things. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So when you look to yourself five years, ten years down the line, yes. And that could even mean, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, 10 or 15, you know, could be retirement even. Right. What does the life of Kevin and Kevin's spiritual health Mm -hmm. without, you know, necessarily leading a church. Right. What does that look like in terms of your spiritual health? Yeah, that's a great question. And again, I think the answer to that came again out of that Crest Leadership uh, program that I took where they asked us to just meet with God, to try to hear from God, to ask, and ask Him, what is my purpose? Like, mm-hmm. like for my second half of life. So I'm turning 51 this year, my second half of ministry. I've been in ministry for 15 years. Lord willing, I'll get another 15 years in before I retire from what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't about what I do. It's about who I am. Right. Right? And so God just met me in that moment and kind of gave me this life purpose, big idea, whatever you want to call it. But it that I just feel that I want, that God is asking me to be a spiritual father, uh, to, to be a spiritual father of many, having a gospel impact in this generation for generations to come. And I can do, well, And I can do that. Again, so how do I stop being an angry brother who's frustrated and pissed off all the time? Did, you, did you just say pissed off? Yeah, I might have done that. I'm just pushing one of those taboos again. <laughs> um, but, you know, but again, there's a lot of angry Christians out there, and there's a lot of angry pastors out there, mm-hmm. and they will draw a crowd. Yes. They will draw a crowd, but is that who you want to draw? Probably not, according to what I read in the Bible. Um, so we need more and more spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers mm-hmm. helping people emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, so that we can see the church really have a great good news impact mm-hmm. in our towns, in our schools, in our city, in government, in business, the military, all of these places where Christians are, right, having a good news not bad news influence, <laughs> a good news influence, a gospel influence that will have an impact in this generation and will have an impact in generations to come afterwards. And that language just so resonated with me because it doesn't mean I have to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. I can, you could be retired. I can be retired and still do it. I can be working at a hardware store part-time while doing it. I could be a business leader doing it. I could be a politician and do that. I could even be sick in a hospital bed with cancer mm-hmm. and still do that. So that's the that's the what you will do. And yeah. so in the remainder of our time, as a spiritual father of many, right. having that gospel impact mm-hmm. um, for generations to come. So can you name like three to five things yep. that you need to not do? Mm-hmm. And that you need to kind of be in or be um, participating in or experiencing yeah. in order for that to be a, a reality from here while you're working and retirement and, and all these years to come. Right. Um, so what I do and what I don't do. That's what you're asking. Well, it's, it's, it's just more so, you know, like what, what do you need to be experiencing? Right. 
in order to be able to do that, in order to be able to see that fruit. Yeah. Um, first and foremost is to, exp- for me, and this is the way it works for me, but it's to experience the presence of God in worship. Mm-hmm. It's I don't go to worship. And, and the challenge, I think, if you're a pastor if you're or on staff at a church, um, truly meeting with God in worship may be a challenge in the church you serve in mm-hmm. because you have responsibilities and work to do. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was like for me early on in ministry. And that's why we started attending a different church on Saturday night that's for a little true. while. I forgot about that. So that I could just worship mm-hmm. and not worry about counting the number of people, taking attendance, running volunteers the ministries, that are missing. volunteers mm-hmm. that are missing, and all of those things, right? So if you're pastoring a small church, it might be very difficult for you to just meet with God mm-hmm. in worship. Find a way to do that. Yeah. Because Jesus says this is important. Mm-hmm. He talks about this when he's talking with the woman at the well, and he's talking about how God is searching for worshipers mm-hmm. that will worship him in spirit and in truth. Yeah. And that includes you as a Christian leader. Of course. You're in that category, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a ministry leader, business leader, whatever it is. And as we are filled, then we have something to give. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so you're, you're, you're worshiping in spirit and in truth. You're getting deep into the word of God mm-hmm. in truth. You're letting the Holy Spirit convict you of your sin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let the Holy Spirit break you where you need to be broken mm-hmm. in your pride, in your arrogance, in your product productivity, whatever it is. So spirit and in truth. So that was a big thing and is still a big thing. So for that me. will continue for you. You will continue experiencing it's, God in spirit and in truth. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the second thing is having meaningful relationships mm-hmm. where people, where you can be real. Yeah. Like that's kind of one of my core values as a leader is to be real. It's one of our core values in our church. Uh, God knows <laughs> Who you are already. Mm-hmm. No one is fooled. Let me rephrase that. God is not fooled. <laughs> Everyone else around you might be fooled. For but a while. God is not fooled for a while until <laughs> it catches up with you. But you got to have a few people that, be real. that you can be real with. That and know that will your hold you accountable. That, and that will hold you accountable. And, mm-hmm. and I actually have that with a number, like even with my elders. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, it, it actually can, our relationship has gotten so good and healthy where you can be real, where I can actually say, to my elders going, you know, like our church is going really well and everything's working really good and I'm feeling bored. Like, you know, I'm kind of getting a little bit bored in, with my work. What, what what should we do about that? Mm-hmm. You know, like... That's a safe relationship. That's a safe relationship to be able to have that kind of conversation. It doesn't mean I'm quitting or looking for another mm-hmm. job. but I'm just being real and transparent that yeah. I'm, I'm kind of struggling right now. Is there something that we can look at, talk about, pray about on this, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and seek God if I'm feeling this way because maybe God's opening up something new, like to start a podcast, like to coach some other Christian leaders, mm-hmm. things like that. Let's make space for what God's actually doing. I could never have had this conversation eight years ago right? with the same group of elders in the same church. And what's funny is I think you actually could have. I could have, but like, I couldn't. No, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, you actually have always been aware of your emotions on your sleeve. Right. But I don't think our group of people around you were knew you well enough at that point and knew how to handle that at that exactly. point. Exactly. So it also speaks to not only your, you know, growing, but yeah. they're growing as well and, and in how to support you in that. But that's the relationship. Absolutely. That's the meaningful relationship mm-hmm. right and, and it takes time it does and it takes intentionality to get so, the relationship there worshiping god in spirit and in truth 
having people around you that you can be very real with, that will hold you accountable, that will help you mm-hmm. with where you're at. Yeah. Anything else well, that you'll continue to do throughout these this well, these years? The other two, the, again, and this is kind of the heart behind this podcast because we believe kind of mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual wellness are all intertwined. Mm-hmm. And so I know as I pursue mental wellness, mm-hmm. it actually helps me spiritually. Mm-hmm. They are connected. <laughs> They're connected. So when I talk to my Christian counselor, when my depression and my anxiety, when it was really bad, I was on medication. Yeah. And, and I go back to those tools when you need them mm-hmm. or when I need them. Um, physical well-being. I know when I exercise regularly and eat well, I sleep better at night, mm-hmm. and when I sleep better at night, it's easier to get up early in the morning to read my Bible and to pray and to meet with God. Mm-hmm. But if I don't exercise and don't eat well, I sleep like garbage, I don't get up early, and I wake up at 5 to 9, and now I need to just jump into work meetings yeah. without meeting with God. They're just so intertwined. Mm-hmm. So that's why I see this pursuit, even though we're talking specifically about spiritual. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so many overlaps. Those other two parts of the journey help me spiritually. Great. Yeah. So is there anything else that you want to leave um, our listeners with on this topic of you and your spiritual health? Well, I, I think for any Christian leader, re- regardless of what your role is, Always, always remember that God loves you and that he made you uniquely you. Don't try to be me. Don't try to be Danielle. Don't try to be Craig Rochelle. Don't try to be Beth Moore. Like, be you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and get to know how much God really, really loves you and values yeah. you in what he's called you to do. At church, in business in your family, in your community, whatever that is for you, and and, and enjoy it. Mm. Enjoy it. Because it's a high privilege that we have to be children of God. Wow, yeah. It's not a burden. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus said that my yoke is easy, my mm-hmm. burden is light. It's a privilege that we have. It can be a challenge, but it's still a joy. Mm-hmm. So just really I would encourage you to do that and reach out. If, if there's, if you don't know where to even start the journey, reach out to us. Reach out to someone else that you might know. Just take a first step, you know, in pursuing that. Great. And how can they? How can they reach out to us? Well, you can find us on on social media. You can find us, connect with us through our websites. We have kevinpresso.com or daniellepresso.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on all those things. You can just look for Revitalized Coaching, and you can find us that way as well. Perfect. Well, this has been awesome. And I think uh, one of the things that I've loved about it is just to see that, you know, even like when you found Craig Rochelle's uh, writing and it was like, oh, my gosh, there's another pastor out there that feels exactly like I do. I think there's a lot of pastors and leaders out there that that have felt or continue to feel just the way you had. And so thank you for sharing Mm -hmm. your story. And it brings hope and encouragement. And, uh, yeah, really grateful for each one of you uh, listening. And we, we really appreciate it. And we want to wish you all the best as you do ministry or lead in whatever way you do or just have that influence in your life. So God bless. God bless you. You've been listening to the Revitalized Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you found this content helpful, please consider subscribing, sharing on social media, and leaving a review. This helps us to help even more people. 
Join us next time for more insights on emotional, spiritual, and physical wellness in your leadership.